Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. I'm very glad and excited that you've decided to uh, spend this hour with us in the New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm uh, ready to talk about all things gardening as usual. Of course, the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about certain summer fruits, summer uh, harvestable in the summer fruits. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But we've talked about figs, which of course, uh, you, you may still be collecting some figs if you have a, a fig bush, fig tree, whatever you'd like to call it. And then of course we talked about blackberries and raspberries, not necessarily because you're harvesting them right now at this moment, but because with blackberries and raspberries, summer is the time when you need to be not pruning certain things on the blackberry plant uh, and pruning other things. And if you want to know what those things are that need to be pruned and don't need to be pruned, then be sure to check out last week's episode. will be available online at NewSouthernGarden.com and, of course, uh, your favorite podcasting apps. We, we uh, ha- have the shows there so you can reference them if you happen to sleep in on a Saturday and couldn't join us. Or maybe, like many of our listeners, you're listening from all over the country, other parts of the South. And it's a great place where you can also send us a question. Because at the end of this month at NewSouthernGarden.com, you can leave us a question that we're going to answer on the last Saturday of this month. So it's quickly approaching. I don't know where the summer has gone. It seems like the summer has just flown by. And maybe things in your landscape need a little help. Maybe they need a little assistance. Like I said before, something may be bothering your begonias. Something uh, may be troubling your angel trumpets. (laughs) But if you've got a problem in the landscape, or if you just want to share, share some of the good things that have gone on this year, be sure to do so on Facebook and Instagram. You can leave questions, but you can also tag us in beautiful pictures of your landscape, beautiful pictures of your flowers and your plants. And of course, that's just helping to build the community here at New Southern Garden, making sure that we're all growing together, growing well, because that's what New Southern Garden's about, is trying new things, trying different things, uh, things that that work, things that uh, maybe have been forgotten about, but need to be revisited in our modern era. And so, of course, every episode of the program is online, both at NewSouthernGarden.com and your podcasting apps on your smart devices. So, Continuing our discussion about these summer fruits, there's one particular fruit that has been around in Georgia for centuries. We're going to talk about that, a little bit of its history, uh, but it's, it's a particular fruit that you don't see very often. I think I can remember the very first time that I saw a pomegranate tree or bush, sort of like a fig. You could go either way with your terminology. 
But when I was studying horticulture at the University of Georgia, the uh, professor, we had a field trip. He took us to a garden in downtown Athens, and the individual had some beautiful pomegranate trees. And I remember they were nice, large, multi-stemmed, bushy, and they did have uh, the beginning of fruits on them. It wasn't quite uh, late enough in the season to be harvested, but they had just started to bud. Very unusual, leathery, thick flowers, red, beautiful, beautiful flowers, but beautiful plants. So I remember the first time that I saw a pomegranate tree and uh, had never seen one before, didn't know much about it. Of course, we sort of all understand what pomegranates are, I suppose, um, but maybe we've never even tried them. I don't think at that point in time I had. But then a a semester or two later, we actually did some research on pomegranate fruits. And surprisingly, the research we were doing wasn't necessarily for the University of Georgia. It was for uh, some companies out in the California growing area where they grow pomegranates. And we were counting the number of seeds in pomegranates. Now, remember that uh, we'll talk about the fruits in more detail, but the pomegranate is made up of these little tiny uh, sacks of juice, if you will. And in each sack, it's called an arrow, A-R-I-L, but in within contained within each arrow is a seed. And so we were counting the number of arrows that we found in the fruits, and I'm not sure how what the research was for. I think the students for that class were sort of uh, grunt work, if you will, because who wants to sit there and count individual arrows? And so we had to clean the fruits, get the arrows out, count them, and then submit that data to the professor who was overseeing the research. So uh, had a little more experience with pomegranates, but then eventually I got my own pomegranate tree. And it's still at my parents' house. I was in school, I guess, when I planted it. Uh, it's beautiful. I've pruned it just a few times. But we're going to find out that pomegranates do need a little more pruning than just a few times in a decade. Uh, But uh, the plant looks healthy, hasn't had any problems, no major disease or insect issues. We're going to talk about that more later on. But just know that if you're going with pomegranates, they're relatively easy to grow. Uh, Very few problems uh, should arise. And and they do give you those beautiful, that tasty um, pomegranate juice. There's not a lot of meat to a pomegranate. It's just mainly the juice. And, of course, juicing is one of the ways you can consume this delightful uh, fruit. But, again, it's one of these summertime uh, harvested fruits. And it's really probably, if you have pomegranates, you may be seeing the mature fruits getting there. They shouldn't quite be ready till very late summer and into fall, actually. Uh, You can have multiple harvests on your tree throughout the the late summer and fall, not just one time, like, say, with blueberries or apples. Generally, those fall within a short period of time. But sort of like figs, you can have a a succession of crops, and you can bring those inside and enjoy them fresh. You can store them in the refrigerator for a while and enjoy them over the course of a couple of weeks. But pomegranates have been grown uh, as sort of just a common backyard crop in the South for decades. Uh, In in more recent years, we've seen that commercial production, uh, the interest of producing pomegranates has has increased, particularly in Georgia and surrounding areas and states. And this is sort of, in a large part, due to the demand, an increase in demand for the pomegranate fruit by consumers. We found that there's They're not just tasty, but there's health benefits, antioxidants galore, much like blueberries, and so people are wanting them. Now, um, the pomegranate itself, 
it's this naturally dense deciduous, which means it drop it drops its foliage. It's quite bushy uh, in its native growth pattern. It's multi-stemmed, uh, basically a shrub, and usually can reach ten to twelve feet tall. But of course, it bears these very very brightly colored fruit uh, with many juicy seeds inside that are quite tasty. Now, sometimes uh, in certain regions, pomegranates are trained like small trees with a single trunk. We're going to find that in the south, it's probably not ideal, but I'll tell you why later on. Now, the branches are slender, but just know, too, that on the branches of your pomegranate tree, you will find thorns, They're quite thorny, uh, but the leaves very glossy and dark green. Not only is the is the the, the pomegranate tree great for the fruit production itself, but pomegranate tree is a beautiful plant, and it can really make a statement in the landscape. As a matter of fact, that uh, garden I saw in Athens, Georgia, when I was studying horticulture, they used four plants planted in this distinct kind of square pattern, and you walked in between them, and, it ent- and you entered into another part of the garden. So the way they were used was very uh, distinctive and very beautiful as much as the fruits were themselves. Now, in the Old Latin, uh, the name for pomegranate literally translated to apple of grain or multigrain. And, of course, that is in reference to the multiple seeds that are found within the pomegranate fruit. However, the current Latin name is called uh, Punica granatum. Granatum. I don't know. I'm not a Latin guy. Uh, But what that comes from, of course, is a similar name that can be traced back to the Middle Ages that translates to seeded apple. So an apple with a lot of seeds. Now, the domestication of uh, pomegranate itself is believed to uh, have been taken place in Central Asia and and Persia nearly 4,000 years ago. And, of course, it spread kind of east and west through hot, arid regions like India, Asia Minor, and into the Mediterranean coast. Now, the most interesting part of the pomegranate's history, I think, is how it got to the Americas. And it was really Spanish settlers who first introduced uh, this pomegranate fruit to North America, including some of the Spanish missions that are found along the Georgia coast. And Of course, that happened a long time ago in the 16th century. Now, the pomegranate has been reasonably used and commonly found in backyards through South Georgia for centuries. Uh, They are long-lived plants themselves, and they can bear fruit for decades. So a great plant to invest in and know that it's going to hang around for a long time. Now, the origin of the plants that have been grown in Georgia is not well known, but there are some research efforts in place that are are trying to locate, identify, and characterize uh, the local pomegranate trees. Because Georgia does see, it's sort of like we're on the cusp maybe, but where Georgia is used to growing cotton and corn and peaches and pecans and peanuts and other crops, it's possible that Georgia can get into a larger scale into pomegranate production here in the southeast just like they're doing out west. Now in the south it may be fruits that are used for juicing and not necessarily the fresh market but still Georgia could we have a great climate for pomegranate if we just work with the trees that are doing well introduce some new varieties that can handle the situation we have here in the south better produce larger fruits juicier fruits better sugar content 
things like that. If we can identify the greatest trees that are working well here, breed them, then we could see that Georgia could have a new crop in in its agricultural uh, repertoire, if you will. But, of course, our uh, discussion today is going to revolve around growing this particular tree, the pomegranate tree and its fruits in your garden. So the first thing we have to find out then is what kind of climate do we need? Well, the the great thing about uh, pomegranates is that they are hardy, most of them, are hardy down to 12 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, you may remember from a few years past, we haven't had a 12-degree Fahrenheit um, winter in quite a long time. I don't know of that coldest, that, that low of a temperature in our area in my lifetime. But there are hardier types that can survive without damage down to 7 degrees. So this ideally is a wonderful plant, even though it likes hot, it can handle quite a, a bit of cold. Now, there's all different varieties and uh, uh, cultivars out there, and some you have to pick and choose to make sure you're getting the most appropriate for our area. But just know uh, that, in general, the wood itself is always susceptible to winter injuries. But it's not necessarily that um, you're going to find the cold winter a problem. It's going to be uh, that... The tree is most resistant to the cold in the winter months, but it tends to be more susceptible to frost damage prior to reaching full dormancy in the fall and, of course, in the spring at bud break. So it's when we're getting into cold weather and when we're coming out of cold weather with those late freezes that we get that you might see potential issues with your particular pomegranate trees. Now, As far as climate goes on the opposite end of the thermometer, let's talk about the extremely heat tolerance that they have. They do perform best when temperatures are above 85 for at least 120 days a year. But they are also quite drought tolerant. Now, if you're trying to install a new tree, you've got to make sure it becomes established first. But once it becomes established, it can handle quite long periods of dry and still survive and grow well and thrive. But if we go through times where there um, is prolonged periods of drought without irrigation, you will find that the fruit production will essentially be lost. So you might, in order to make sure that your trees are growing and growing well, doing a great job in dry, uh, dry summers, making sure they get a little extra water will help them keep the fruit viable and growing for you to consume. But really, they the tree itself will sustain very little damage okay gang we've got a lot to talk about today with pomegranates and i hope you uh, will join us after this quick break because we're going to talk about selecting the proper soil and site for these beautiful trees Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our 
listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. Well, gang, today we continue our discussion we've been having this month about summer fruit trees. You know, we love those uh, apples and pears and peaches, and yes, they produce in the summer, but there's some very unusual and rare pe- uh, fruits that you can find that are almost ready to harvest now. And of course, we've talked about figs, we've talked about blackberries and raspberries, but now we're going to move into the pomegranate. And before the break, we were talking about the the climate that pomegranates can handle. And of course, pomegranate really is in line with the kind of climate we have here in Georgia. First of all, they don't mind the weathers we have, even though they can be susceptible to some uh, early frost and freezes and late frost and freezes. The dead of winter is not usually a problem for them. But then the summers, of course, in the south, hot, dry. Sometimes we go through droughts. Well, this baby right here, this plant can handle, can handle the kind of summers we have in the south. So the pomegranate is definitely something to look into. And once you've acquired a pomegranate, you need to determine, well, where's the best place to plant it? Or really, if you're wise, you would find a place to plant it first and then go purchase your pomegranate plants. But pomegranates actually can handle a number, a a a variety of soil types. They can handle sandy soils. They can handle clay soils. But really, the deep, loamy soils will give you a spectacular display and a spectacular spectacular plant. Uh, Those loamy soils, of course, are high in organic matter, rich. And we don't always have that here in the South. But I pretty much can guarantee you that no matter whether you're growing in North Georgia, where we are, uh, up here in the mountains, the Piedmont, our clay soils, or whether you're down below the fall line in South Georgia, the sandy soils in the coastal plain, you will be able to grow this plant, I think, with very little problems. Now, the great thing about this soil type that uh, pomegranates need is that it likes to be slightly acidic, or really moderately acidic, but slightly alkaline, I should say. Of course, that would be a pH range of 5.5 to 7.2, and most of our soils, particularly here in the Piedmont soils, the clay soils, we're going to be below uh, 7, somewhere in the 5.5, 6.5. So probably you don't even have to worry about the pH as long as you get it tested by your county extension agent um, or some other soil testing outlet just to make sure that you've got what your plant needs. Now, of course, aside from the soil type, um, drainage is going to be important as well. Excessive amounts of moisture for extended periods of time will definitely harm the trees. I like to put it this way. They like it moist, but not wet. They don't want wet feet. Now, of course, when we talk about wet feet, we mean the roots. We don't want the roots sitting in water after an excessive rain. If excessive amounts of water hang around for longer than 24 hours, you may consider a different site or work in that area to better, um, to, to, well, to make your drainage better, to better the drainage that you're in there. Another thing, of course, is sun, right? Well, site selection is going to have to include sun exposure and air circulation for pomegranates. First of all, pomegranates are going to need, much like 
any other fruiting tree, they're going to like and require at least six hours of direct sunlight per day. Maybe up to eight or more would be ideal because that's going to help ensure good fruit color and productivity. Now, of course, uh, when it comes to air circulation, we want to make sure that the wind blows freely. We don't want the fruits to be surrounded by moisture, the tree to be surrounded by moisture. That will definitely um, make the quality of your fruits decline uh, and you may have some loss. But that air circulation is important, particularly in the spring when the flowers are blooming. You see, if the flowers stay wet, if the conditions are too humid, the flowers may not even set or they may abort and fall off the trees. So open areas that are free from shade is going to be ideal. If you have a gentle slope, uh, that will help promote natural air drainage. Um, uh, that will definitely encourage some air circulation on a natural slope and, of course, drainage from, from the moisture for wet feet. Uh, the other important thing, much like the fig, we were talking about figs a couple of weeks ago, and pomegranates can suffer from root knot nematode. Now, we talked about those nematodes in the fig episode, so if you missed any part of uh, the fig program, just be sure to check it out online at NewSouthernGarden.com and, of course, on any podcasting app that I'm aware of. If you can't find us on one, let us know. We'll try to get the show there. But regardless, make sure that the site the soil is free from root knot nematodes. If you know you have a root knot nematode problem, definitely don't plant pomegranates in that soil. If you're not sure, or you might be a bit concerned because you're going to plant a large number of plants, uh, if you're going to try one out, it may not be such a problem, but you can have your soil tested for root knot nematodes just to make sure that they are not present. Root knot nematodes is a little tiny organism, little tiny insect that you have to look at through a microscope, uh, but they are present in Georgia, and we want to make sure that when we plant our pomegranates, they don't have this problem. Now, I will say something. You can go out, of course, to a, to a nursery, like where you can find me throughout the week at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, and we do have some pomegranates, and we get them in from time to time. Uh, I don't know what we have in stock now, but I know we had some in the spring. Now, you can go to a plant nursery. I encourage you to go to your local plant nursery. Help support your local business. But if you know of someone who has a pomegranate tree, and it's a beautiful, very uh, great producing tree, doesn't give the individual issues, or if you already have one existing tree, well, you can grow your own. So I'll give you a little bit about the propagation of pomegranates. You can propagate pomegranates from cuttings both softwood in the spring and hardwood in the summer, or, or I should say hardwood in late winter. As a matter of fact, hardwood cuttings taken in late winter are most preferred, um, but if you collect softwood cuttings throughout the growing season, uh, they may or may not make it. Hardwood cuttings are have a higher uh, percentage success rate. And it's really quite easy. All you have to do for hardwood cuttings is to remove approximately 10 inches of one-year wood in late fall or into early winter. Now, make sure that those uh, stems are at least a quarter to a half inch in diameter or about, here's the general rule, about the same width as a pencil. Okay, so that's pretty thick around. Now, what you're going to do is, say, in February, you're going to stick these cuttings um, into, you can stick them directly into the ground if you want to, maybe a protected site where you can watch them, observe them, and make sure 
nothing is out there to uh, uh, undo your hard work, but you can also stick them into a pot of potting mix, maybe even perlite and vermiculite, or you could try sand. Once you stick that in there, uh, you want to make sure that Uh, you get one inch of root growth before you transplant that into a taller pot uh, with a little more potting mix, potting soil. And then, of course, after it has filled that larger container, you can put it into a tall one-gallon pot, support it with bamboo, and grow it out that way for the year. Um, Or you could, at that point, directly put them into the ground. Now, like I said, You don't have to use pots with pomegranates. You can actually, if you have a space, a small nursery bed or vegetable garden, you can stick those cuttings into that soil. You you may find that the soil uh, is, is not as sterile as the mixes you would put in containers, and that unsterility, if you will, may cause some to fail. But that's okay, because if you cut more than you need, make more cuttings than you need, then you'll have plenty of plants. Just know that wherever you, deter- wherever you decide to plant your pomegranate tree, it will be there for a long time. So don't keep it in the vegetable garden if you propagate it there. Make sure you take it out while it's young um, and get it into its permanent position because it is a tree that will be with you as a friend for decades. So now that you've selected your site, you have your plants, the first thing we want to do is make sure that we, uh, before we plant, make sure we get rid of any weeds to remove competition from other plant species, particularly those terrible weeds we have. And you can use pre-emergent herbicides to keep weeds from coming back. Uh, But I would definitely encourage you to mulch. Mulch just like you would your blueberry plants or really any other thing else. That would help to prevent weeds from becoming a a problem again. And that would keep things at bay. That also keeps moisture around the root system of those new plants. Because they're going to need moisture while they're new. But once they get established, once your pomegranates get established, they will not need much help from you as far as moisture goes. They're quite drought tolerant. But when we get back from this break, we're going to continue our discussion on growing and producing pomegranates so hang on tight gang we'll be right back Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we've been talking, uh, well, really about a topic that I don't think I've ever even mentioned the word before. In the three years or so that we've been doing New Southern Garden, I don't think that I've mentioned this. But we're talking about pomegranates today because pomegranates, even though, you know, you can walk into the grocery store, into your markets and find these fruits that have been imported, probably from California, you can actually grow your very own Georgia-grown and backyard produced pomegranates right here in the southeast we've got the ideal climates the soil is just fine in most cases you may need a little bit of amending or improving but really you can probably get started with what you've already got you just got to get your pomegranate plant first 
Well, we've already talked about pretty much all the things prior to planting. And now we need to continue talking about pomegranates to get them in the ground, space them appropriately, and find out what else we need to do to them to make sure that they thrive, they live, they grow, and produce for year after year for decades. Because they are very long-lived plants, and the fruits will actually be born on older plants as well. Sometimes with fruits, the older a plant gets, the less productive it is, and it's got to go. But with pomegranates, this baby will keep producing even into its sunset years. Well, the next thing we were going to talk about, of course, is going to be spacing. Because we're talking about planting them and making sure we mulch them well, just like we would anything else. But with pomegranates, we need to know uh, the ideal spacing for these trees. Because we don't want to plant too many in too tight of an area. If you only plan to plant one plant, well, so be it. It'll grow fine and you should space it appropriately. But if you're going to plant a grove of them, or small orchard, if you will, you want to make sure that, well, the traditional spacing is 18 by 18 feet. So from one plant to the next, give them 18 feet. But for producing them in the southeast, we really don't know yet. We might be able to plant them a little tighter. You might even be able to go 10 to 15 feet in a small planting. But the goal here is to make sure that oxygen and air can pass through the plants. Because when pomegranates are planted closer together, that actually uh, gives a problem for airflow and also sunlight. In order for your pomegranate fruits to look beautiful and get the kind of fruit color they need, we've got to make sure they have plenty of sunlight. And in order to make sure that the blossoms don't stay wet, we've got to make sure they're not too humid, then making sure there's airflow between the plants uh, that's adequate enough uh, will help you through your growing season. So definitely somewhere between 15 to 18 feet would be ideal. Now, this is another step here that I want to throw in and mention because I, I tend to mention this about all fruit bearing trees or shrubs is that well with pomegranate the first harvest is really in year three after after planting or being uh, made from a cutting you'll find that the fruits are probably well the flowers on young plants less than three years they don't hang on they may drop they may uh, fall off the plant prematurely. That's very common with many different types of fruit-bearing trees. But even if they hang on, you'll find the fruit will be small and probably late to mature. So the focus on those first three years, those early years, should be uh, pushed to producing a healthy tree, producing growth on the tree itself, making the tree stronger. So one of the very first things to do is for the first three years or so, pinch off any blooms that try to open. Any blooms that or buds that seem to be produced by the plant, take them off. Because if you don't, then all of the production of nutrition and carbohydrates and plant food will be going to producing flowers that aren't going to do anything for you. They may actually fall off prematurely. So making sure that you're not putting or expending nutrition and energy into pointless flower production, make sure that you go ahead and remove the flowers for the first three years. Now, I recommend that with blueberries even. Now, most people don't want to do that because they want the blueberries. They want the fruits. But we've got to remember 
that we are trying to grow a plant that's going to last for decades. So foregoing two or three years of a scrawny crop is really going to make the plant stronger for the long haul. So that's the ideal thing, making sure that we're feeding the plant itself, growing the plant itself, rather than trying to produce a crop for the first few years. Now, we've already mentioned irrigation, but what about watering? Well, like I mentioned, pomegranates are very drought tolerant. But making sure that they have adequate soil moisture is going to result in substantial improvement in plant vigor and also the fruit yield. There is a case where making sure that uh, water throughout dry periods is present is going to help to minimize the amount of fruit splitting when water and rain returns. Okay, so kind of like tomatoes that split in the summer. You notice those tomatoes, I've seen some this year from uh, gardens like yours, that we've had broken tomatoes, tomatoes cracked open. Well, usually this splitting happens when we have a period of drought, and then we have a flush of rain. And folks, that's the case. We've had two big flushes of rain in my area just this week, but before that, it has been quite dry. So as long as we keep the soil moist during drought, then we'll reduce that cracking and splitting that's caused by drought plus heavy rainfall right after the drought or dry period. So that's the only major concern about um, uh, watering or irrigating is making sure that your fruits don't crack, uh, but the plant itself will have no problem in handling uh, the dry conditions. As Well, another concern is that too much moisture in the summer uh, can lead to an abundance of vegetative growth. A lot of leaves being produced, uh, but the fruit that's produced will tend to be softer, may spoil easier. You just have poor quality fruits. And so uh, be sure again that you don't overwater. Yes, we can't control the kind of rain we get, but we can control the extra soil that we put into, rather the extra water we put into the soil in the summer. Now, fertilization, making sure that we fertilize these babies appropriately is going to be ideal. And it would be very similar to what we would do for apples or fruit trees. We do want to provide the plant at least three times a year with nutrition. We like to give them nutrition in early spring when they're first just breaking their buds. We want to produce, uh, provide them with nutrition in late spring when the leaves are out, uh, probably something like May. And then we do want to feed them once more in summer because they will have already flowered. They'll be setting their fruits and they need extra nutrition to make sure that those fruits get large, developed and tasty. Now, you can use something like 10-10-10, which of course is a go-to uh, in most places, but of course uh, you can use other formulations. I would definitely recommend, as always, to use something that's slow release. But make sure that you have plenty of nitrogen, plenty of phosphorus, plenty of potassium, and micronutrients. That will be ideal. So a well-balanced, slow-release fertilizer should be just fine. And you can use the product we use on our plants at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. Not only do we buy it in bulk for the nursery, but we also put it in small bags so you can take it home and feed your plants exactly what we're feeding them at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. Just ask for the nursery special, 1268 or Floricam. Now, how much fertilizer do we need to give them? 
Well, each time we fertilize them, we need to make sure that we are giving them, here's a good uh, estimate or a good uh, suggestion to remember, one ounce of your fertilizer, something like 10-10-10 or 12-6-8, you can use one ounce per foot of bush height three times a year. So again, that would be if you have a five-foot-tall tree, use five ounces three times a year. Sounds like a prescription on something you may take for yourself, but that would be a good recommendation and something to remember uh, to, to fertilize them in early spring, late spring, and then again in summer to make sure you're finishing the summer well so those fruits are produced beautifully and tastefully. But as with all things, I need to give you a uh, note of caution. It's also very important to not add excessive nitrogen in the late summer uh, and into early fall. That can have a detrimental impact on the fruit color and the size and also may increase the susceptibility of the tree to early chilling temperatures. Anytime that we push nitrogen in a plant late in the summer, and I mean past uh, Labor Day, if you're fertilizing after Labor Day, most likely you're going to push the plant to grow a lot of green leaves, a lot of new stems, and those will be very susceptible. They won't have time to harden off before the first frost comes. So definitely, this is a general rule for your entire landscape. Don't fertilize heavily with nitrogen past Labor Day. Make I always tell people, as soon as you throw out those patties on the grill on Labor Day, that's the last day to throw out fertilizer around your plants. The other thing to think about um, is that there is a kind of uh, deficiency that pomegranates tend to deal with, and that is in zinc, of all things. If you have a pomegranate that sort of looks unusual, kind of a yellowing of the leaves, the first thing you may want to do is make sure that you have plenty of zinc around your pomegranate. If you determine that it is a zinc deficiency, you can use a foliar zinc application in the spring after the fruit has set. That is usually recommended, making sure the fruit has set, but you can spray zinc onto the foliage uh, in the spring. Now, we do need to talk about training and pruning your pomegranates because it's very essential. And I know we don't have a lot of time. We're already halfway through the program, over halfway through the program. So the two main common ways that we train pomegranates is number one, as a single trunk, or number two, as a multi-trunk. Now, in the South and Georgia, the multi-trunk form is probably the best. You see a single trunk, of course, um, it looks like regular trees. They usually have one main trunk with five or six major branches coming out, forming a vase-shaped structure, kind of the way that we would encourage you to grow apples, peaches, pears. But that kind of pr uh, pruning does tend to uh, cause problems in the South. Because you only have one trunk instead of multi-trunk, a, a, a tree that may have three or six strong branches coming out of the ground, like a crepe myrtle, if you will, uh, the single trunk, you only have one shot. You have one trunk. And if we have a cold fall or a cold spring, that entire tree uh, may die back because of the cold and you have to start over or replace the plant. But if we have a freeze event in Georgia and you have a multi-trunk, multi-stem trained plant, 
then you'll find that only portions of the branches may die back. And even if some of the outer branches die back, well, the inner were protected. And you only have to trim out two or three branches and then allow new branches to come out from the base in the next couple of years. You will have definitely suckers because um, uh, uh, pomegranates do sucker like crepe myrtles. If you ever look at a crepe myrtle, it's got multi-stems because it sends up multiple shoots all throughout the summer. And so with that in mind, you will have replacement branches if a freeze event does cause problem to your pomegranate. With a single trunk, guess what? You have one shot. And if it freezes, that may be the end of the plant. You have to start over somehow. So I would definitely, for growing pomegranates in the south, be sure that you are producing them with multi-trunks, multi multi-stems. It's probably the best way to do it. Now, these babies, they do need uh, pruning a couple of really every year, maybe every couple of years or so. But when we get back from this break, I'm going to tell you why we have to do that and being careful uh, not to completely prune your plant that you don't have fruit because it's possible. If you don't prune it right, you may not have pomegranate fruit. So after this break, we'll talk more about pomegranates and particularly how to prune them. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, we're about to uh, wrap up our discussion today on growing pomegranates in the southeast, uh, particularly here in the northeast Georgia mountains. And I'm very glad that you decided to join us here on New Southern Garden. If you just tuned in, we are talking about growing pomegranates, and we talked about where to place them, making sure they have good airflow, good light, and light penetration down into the fruits, making sure you don't plant them too densely or too much in the shade because that can cause some issues further down the road and of course for a plant that is going to live for decades you don't want to have any problems uh, to start off with now we were talking about pruning before the break we do want to make sure that we're pruning our pomegranates almost every year we do need to remove any unneeded growth things like suckers should be removed anything that has died back should be removed but it's important to know that the short fruiting spurs they appear primarily on two to three year old wood and they're found growing mostly on the outer perimeter of the canopy. Of course, it's where light is shining on the plant best uh, and it helps picking them a lot easier because they're on the outside of the plant. But some light annual pruning encourages growth of new fruit spores, uh, spurs and of course, uh, more aggressive pruning is going to significantly impact your yields. So with pomegranates, we need some pruning uh, at least once a year 
but we definitely don't want to be too aggressive with the entire plant any given year. If you have to cut out an entire cane, so be it, but don't cut out every cane or don't chop back every cane too short because it does take two or three years for a particular branch to set fruit in spurs that are going to produce your fruits. If you have to do some major pruning, make sure you do it in the late winter months, right before spring, right before their buds break. But for minor pruning, for uh, the sucker removals, you can do that in the middle of summer, just like you would with really any other plant. Now, the weight of the fruit on a branch can be substantial. This sort of has to do with pruning, but not so much. We need to just train the plant. We may need to support the branches while the fruit is on there to ensure that the fruit doesn't uh, come into contact with the ground, uh, stays away from lawnmowers, uh, being near the uh, earth and of course ground level critters uh, I mean all kinds of things I've seen dead armadillos on the streets so I'm sure they would even love to eat a low growing pomegranate you can do that with string and you can do that with uh, other supports maybe some wooden canes uh, metal post whatever but just be sure that you don't keep those supports on them all year just while the plant needs it just while the plant and its branches may be bending towards the earth, which would be very temporary. Now, we need to talk about flowers. We need to talk about the pollination of these plants. Because remember, with any kind of uh, uh, plant that you want to produce fruit from, whether it be tomatoes or peaches or apples, everything that has a flower has to be pollinated some way or another. And the question we get a lot of times with fruits is, do they need a partner? Do the fruits need a partner? Well, you know, with apples and with pears, I would say yes. We have to have a partner. We have to have the pollinizer, something that is going to cross and stir up the pollen to stimulate the plant because they're not self-fruitful. But the great thing about pomegranates is they are self-fruitful. They have the male parts and the female parts that are required. But the interesting thing about pomegranates are there are two flower forms. One of them, uh, one of the flower forms is, is a hermaphroditic type. And of course, that has both the male and female parts. But then there is a functionally male flower. That is just male parts. Now remember... Those functionally male flowers are not going to bear fruits. They have a different shaped flower, so you can almost spot them once you train yourself on that. But just know that some of the flowers are going to fall off because they're there just to give pollen. They're not there to produce the fruit. It's interesting to know that uh, once the blooms begin in April, they continue into June, uh, sometimes in a continuous manner in three to four flushes even. And, of course, that depends on the cultivar and variety you have. But the, the pollinators that go for pomegranates are insects and hummingbirds. So just know that if you want some hummingbirds, you may plant a few uh, uh, pomegranate trees and actually bring some of, them, some of those birds to your yard. Uh, it's not even unusual for pomegranates to produce flowers into the fall. But most of the blooms that appear in the early spring, they will result in the largest fruit at its maturity. So you may have fruits here and there all up into the fall, but those earliest flowers are going to produce probably the best fruits that you'll have that year. 
Now, we can sort of skip over pathogens. There's a few, but nothing of major concern. Pathogen is something like bacteria and disease, fungus. You may see a few things, uh, but in the South, we don't really have a whole lot of issues with pomegranates. Pests, there are no major pests to be worried about. Things like aphids and mealybugs and scale and white fly, thrips, those are pretty common on any plant. So you can approach those and getting rid of them and controlling them in uh, the uh, traditional ways. Root knot nematode, I'll mention again, don't plant your pomegranates where root knot nematodes exist or you won't have success. But I do want to uh, let you know, because people also wonder, not just about do, do plants need a partner, they also ask this question. Probably question number two for all fruit trees is, when do I pick the fruit? When do I harvest? And the great thing about pomegranates is that uh, you'll you, you, there's several uh, obvious um, several obvious characteristics to know when the pomegranate is ready. Uh, first of all, they don't have this synchronized single spring bloom. So that makes it a little harder. We've already mentioned they may have several fruits on the plant that are ready at various stages. Uh, some of the early cultivars, they'll begin to ripen near the end of August. So we're getting there for those early cultivars. But they may continue through October and into no early November uh, for some of those late maturing cultivars. Now, what you want to look at... In commercial production, they do tests on pomegranates to see what the sugar and acid contents are. But also the color development of the fruit is very important. If you look at the fruit and it's rich in color and you know that's the shade it's supposed to be, that is a key indicator. Now the second thing, once you get used to growing and, and picking and harvesting uh, your pomegranates, you'll find that if you uh, tap tap the fruit, tap, 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 listen for a metallic ting sound, just a ding, 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 and you can feel it, you can hear it. It may take a little experience, I know that's kind of obscure, but that is another good way to find out if your pomegranates are ready. Now, the last little note about harvesting them is going to be when you harvest your pomegranates, be sure that they're harvested by clipping them with shears making sure that you cut as close to the fruit as possible to prevent a sharp point of wood from piercing and rubbing against other fruits when you are collecting them. So yes, you do need to use pruning shears when you remove your pomegranates and cut them away from the branch as close to the fruit as possible. That will give them a smooth edge rather than a hard woody edge that can pierce and damage other fruits. The good thing about these pomegranate fruits, they can be stored up uh, in open air for about six weeks. But if you use something like your refrigerator, you can store them for up to five months. They last a long time, even once they have been harvested. Folks, I hope that you've enjoyed today's program. I know that I've learned a lot by doing some research and learning more about the pomegranate, a tree that I have one of, but I plan to get a lot more. So get out there, come to Lanier Nursery and Gardens and chat with us. We'll get you some pomegranates. But regardless, uh, thanks for joining us here on New Southern Garden. This is Nathan Wilson. Hope you stay well and grow well. See you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. 
Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.